Right, good morning. Um, happy Easter. Um, it is still Easter, officially, because DFS are still continuing with their sale until next week, so we've still got a few days to go. So, and, and what I thought I'd do this Easter, first of all, I'm thrilled to be invited to do a, a major ceremony. Thank you, Josh, for inviting me. Because um, normally I'm, I'm in the summer holidays somewhere, or but it's lovely to be do one Easter because I love Easter, um, and and uh, it's it's just a great occasion for me, and and as a Christian it is very very important. And what I've decided to do is to to revisit the Easter story, the events of Good Friday and uh, Easter Sunday, uh, on the basis of looking at it slightly differently from a spiritual point of view. So, and what does that mean for us today? So, and, and really I'm talking to, if you're a Christian, it's good to be reminded and, uh, and take grasp of these truths. Uh, and if you're not, if you're a searcher, it gives you an idea of what Christianity is about and what's involved in, and, and knowing what, what really happened and how that affects your lives today. Now, I'm going to cover three basic Christian truths um, and they are, Satan's been defeated, we're under grace, not law, and all our sins have been forgiven. And they are packed nice and tightly into those two scriptures that uh, Bridget lovely, wonderfully read so well. Um, I chose the two for one, I thought that would be a nice Easter bonus. So I'm focusing on those two pieces, but the, hopefully the scriptures... Uh, will come up because Josh is uh, really skilled at this and I'm glad he's uh, partnering me on this. So what I'll say right from the start is that God's scriptures will change your life. I promise you that. And the condition is if you allow it to. You, you can hear the word, you can listen to it, you can write it, you can study it, but unless you allow it to change your life, That'll be it. So I promise you that what I'm going to share with you is from God, from the scriptures, and they will change your life if you allow them to. Now, the first spiritual fact I'm going to say is Jesus has already defeated Satan on our behalf. We often think that Satan's defeated, but it's on our behalf. So that we can now... As victors go out into battle and, and rescue and deliver people from, from their sins, from their captivities or whatever they're involved in, we have that author, authorization given to us by Jesus who said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go out into the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, baptise people. So that's... a, a Compliance there. Also, at the same time, in, in Revelation, looking forward to the time where, where John, the, revelate, the revelator, revealed Jesus. And, and he, he put a significant term where he said, they, that's Christians, overcame Satan by the words of their testimony, sorry, by, their tes- sorry, by the blood of the Lamb, the words of their testimony. So we defeat Satan in the end of the story. We are the ones chosen to do that. And it all came about from the events that happened 2,000 years ago 
on Good Friday and Easter Monday, uh, Sunday, <laughs> sorry, Easter Sunday. Uh, this victory is not going to happen, it has already happened. It, it, the battle has already been won. When Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried and was rose from the dead, that is complete, total, permanent, irreversible defeat to Satan. He was totally defeated there. Satan now does everything he can from, from, from keeping us to uh, understand this, know it, and actually apply it in our lives. That's what his, his, his game is. He is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. Jesus is a life giver. He is the truth. So when we see that Satan is defeated, we have to believe the scriptures. That is what happened. We have now given the victory and the privilege of to spread and to battle the Satan's strongholds in our society, in our lives. In Colossians 2.15, I'm reversing backwards, by the way, through the, uh, the scriptures. So I'm starting at the last verse that, we, that uh, Bridget read. Verse 15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over, over them by the cross. Now on the cross, there's count how many things were nailed to that cross. There was Jesus, there was our sins, there was a notice that put on there, and there's another thing which I'll reveal, just to keep you, keep you listening. There's another thing that was, that was nailed to that cross. And through the cross, our Heavenly Father, through his Son, his only Son, Jesus Christ, disarmed the whole of Satan's kingdom and all his forces, he stripped them of their weapons and evil powers. We have that authority over them. And Isaiah sort of prophesied in Isaiah chapter 54, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. Nothing of evil will ever defeat you. And he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. And a triumph is a celebration of a victory already won. It's a bit like, uh, in the, in, it comes from, Paul uses the uh, picture of the Romans where they used to celebrate victories that their generals had done. When they returned, they, re, they were given the privilege of riding through the streets of Rome in a chariot pulled by a white horse. And behind him, he would lead all the prisoners and the kings and authorities and all the people they defeated and examples of the, the animals and the, all the things they, fruits and all that. And he made, and the people of Rome would cheer and whatever on the sidelines or the, 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 the pavements or whatever they called him in the days. He would, they would celebrate. But Jesus gives us the point now that we're not standing on the sideway, the, the path. We are actually in the chariot with him as part of that victory. We, we are the victors. Jesus has done this for us. Second spiritual fact, a spiritual truth is at the cross, sorry, the spiritual truth is that we are under a new covenant. We are under grace, not law. We are under grace. And I'll expand a bit there. The other thing that Jesus 
Sim- symbolically, sorry, the other thing that God nailed to the cross symbolically is our sin. Our sin was nailed to the cross. In Colossians chapter, chapter 2, verse 14, having cancelled the written code, which is the law, with its regulations and was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. So, so when God, when Jesus crucified, the requirements for righteousness, the law, obedience to the law, was nailed to the cross. It was taken away. It was cancelled, cancelled, and it allowed us all access to God. Prior to that, there was effect, well, prior to that, the only way you could possibly go to heaven was to be 100% a law keeper. If you broke one of the 600 laws or regulations, you failed. So the option now is Jesus is our substitute. He's the one who's, who's taken the sin upon himself and has given us access to God. And the proof, uh, the proof is when Jesus was raised from the dead, the law didn't get raised. The law was nailed to the cross, it was taken to the grave, and Jesus rose, and he didn't have the law, didn't come back with him. The other sign that's put on the cross is that Jesus, the King of the Jews, that sign or that statement still stands, because in John's uh, book of Revelation, it says that uh, it describes Jesus as the Lion of Judah, as the King of Judah, as the King of the Jews. God symbolically on that cross totally destroyed the power of sin. He rejected it. He reversed everything that, uh, that came, in, came, came to us through, through our disobedience in the garden, through our, our ancestors, Adam and Eve. He, he returned rejection into acceptance. He changed death into life. He restored that relationship with him. Is that draw near to God? This is the our opportunity. Through the cross, we can draw near to God. Come close to me, and I will come close to you. He's beckoning you to take that first step. Always picture the prodigal son, where he returned. He was afar off, and his father saw him, and his father ran to greet him. He put a robe on him, he put a ring on him, he gave him sandals. It, it, that's the God that we serve. That's our Heavenly Father. And the cross is, is such a picture, that would be the last place you would think of looking for, for, for salvation. It's like a hidden door that's behind this screen that looks so grotesque. And you need to look behind that. And I love Thomas. Although he gets a bad press, or appears to in the, in the, in the, in the New Testament, I love Thomas because he's so real. He was saying, I want to put my fingers and my hands and see these, these wounds. That's exactly where I feel that we need to come as Christian, to come to the Lord and put our hands in his wounds to, to experience his death, his, his torture, his pain, his finger in that... Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Can you feel... It's not, a, oh, roses and nice and... No, it's going down to the nitty-gritty of the blood, sweat and tears of Jesus and actually experiencing that death and touching that, those wounds... And those last words that uh, Johnny uh, quoted there, said the last words that Jesus said on the cross is, it is finished. I can't do the, the Latin or whatever. It, it is finished. 
It didn't say, I'm finished. It is finished. The job that Jesus was sent to do, finished, complete. It, it's, it's in the perfect tense. It covers the past, it covers the present, it covers the future. Jesus completely, totally did the job of getting rid of sin. It was done, it, he defeated Satan and he's given us grace. We now live under this grace, this new covenant, as I said. We're no longer subject to the law. You're no longer guilty because you feel, oh, I haven't read my Bible so many times today. I haven't prayed so many times. I haven't been to churches. I haven't... That. No, you're under grace. It is an amazing feeling. Grace is defined as God's undeserved, unearned, unmerited favour towards us. That's what God... He loved us uh, while we were in our sin. While we were still in a mess, he loved us. So imagine how much he loves us more because we've come to, to know him through, through Jesus. He loves us. Our righteousness, our own righteousness, is no longer dependent on us absorbing the law and keeping it. 600 and odd, I think someone's counted 600 rules and regs that apply. We can, we're never expected to meet the requirements of the law. Even when the law was given, God provided a sacrifice straight after knows full well. And when we look at the law, we should see, we should be looking that we need that redeemer, we need that saviour. If you think you can do it on your own, you can't. It's impossible. Jesus took our place. He became our representative. Paid the penalty for all of us in full. And the person that decides whether that's satisfactory or not was God. He decided whether that was a perfect sacrifice. When the priest takes a, a lamb or a, a, an offering that is presented for a sin offering, they look at it for blemishes. God looked at Jesus and he had no blemish or spot. He was pure. He was without sin. I couldn't die for anyone because I've got sin. I couldn't be... So the sin offering had to be perfect. Christ has... Christ, his finished works on the cross is our kinsman's redeemer, our saviour, our healer, our provider. Spiritual fact number three. Scripture speaks here that we all our sins have been forgiven. All of our sins. God preempted that uh, Pete Motter said would live from, a, from A to B, and he would do this, that, and the other. All those sins are forgiven. Even the sins I'll do tomorrow, next day, they are forgiven. They're covered by the blood. Sounds amazing, sounds incredible. That is the truth. When God raised Jesus from the dead, this is your evidence. This is your proof. This is your guarantee that all your sins have been forgiven. If, if Jesus had any sin in him, God wouldn't have raised him from the dead. That is proof. And that's something you stand firmly and boldly on. When things, are, when things are being challenged, where you feel guilt, where you feel fear, is that you have the victory through Christ. Through, through the cross and through the blood of Jesus, God has forgiven all our sins. And then we move on to Hebrews which is a little bit of a light uh, touch, is basically uh, showing an example between the two sort of uh, covenants, if you like, the law and, 
and grace, or the Old Testament uh, priests and Jesus, the, our new priest, our high priest. And, and the version I picked, and, and as, as Bridget said, it's, uh, it's, it's very similar in the NIV. He says, and, ev- and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, this man Jesus Christ, after he offered one sacrifice of sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. That passage says every priest, every Old Testament priest, without any exceptions, continually stood there working and ministering daily, offering repeatedly as sort of sacrifices. He needed to do it over and over and over and over and over again. All the time, constantly, sort of repeating this sacrifice. And as, uh, he, as Hebrews said, it said, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. Only Jesus, the Lamb of God, can take away our sin. And that's what he did on the cross once and for all. He offered one sacrifice himself for sins forever. Not daily, repeated. And some people think that when you come to be saved, all your sins of the past are forgiven and you've got to earn your own righteousness for the next part of your life. That is false. That is a lie. You are covered by the blood and you're forgiven. On the cross, God laid on Jesus. On the Good Friday, God laid on Jesus all the sin of the world. Made him liable for all sins, past, present, future. Made him responsible for all our iniquities. Made him accountable for all our wrongdoings and transgressions. And then on the third day, on the Easter Sunday, that same body rose without the sin. Totally, totally sinless. The, the, the sin was taken away. And John the Baptist pointed Jesus out and said, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Doesn't covers it, takes it away. And he takes it away as far as the east is from the west, so far as uh, as he removed our transgressions from us. They're gone, they're complete. East and west, they never meet. That's exactly what Christ has done with us. And the promise, which I really love, and I really like to affirm this, is for I will, I will forget, this is God speaking, I will forget their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. God hasn't got a bad memory or he gets confused. He will remember those sins no more. They're being dealt with, they're gone. And you can stand fully righteous in the front of God because you're, you're using, you're wearing, you're accepted the righteousness of Christ. And Jesus is sitting down at the right hand of God, removing all our sin. And it is finished. What I like about this passage as well is uh, going back to the Colossians just to finish up with. uh, On the first 12, verse 12, it says, uh, When you were dead in your sins and in the uh, uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. God became a sort of, not a, a, God's purpose was not to make bad people good, but to make dead people live.
And they say, just to finish then, and once he fi- sorry, paid the final penalty, and that was accepted by God as fi- finished, final, no more, complete payment, <coughs> guaranteed. He said, God, God cancelled all that written uh, code and its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, took it, nailing it to the cross. We are now under grace, not law. And what I'd like to do is, as I said at the very beginning, to finalise, is just in prayer, I'd just like us to meditate on, on these three facts, that God has defeated Satan. So if you just close your eyes and just meditate, just think, and, and, and think, is this something that you believe, you accept, you may know it, but do you believe it, do you know it, do you understand it? Do you apply it? And, and it's quite simple. It's, do you understand what Satan, that Satan has been defeated by, on your behalf by Jesus? You are now under grace and not the law. All your sins, all of your sins that you've ever done and you're likely to do have been forgiven under the blood of the Lamb. And meditate on that, that if you accept that, if you take that on board, imagine what that would effect that would have on your prayer life, on your living, on your relationships, on your worship, on your talking, that you accept that those three simple statements. Father, I just pray, thank you for saving me. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your grace, that I'm under grace, not under the law. And Lord, I thank you that all my sin, all my sin has been taken away. And I have, I have the authority now in your name to go out into this world and to share your gospel. And we can outthrow the Satan. We can remove him from all these places of darkness and bring light and song. Amen.